Welcome to the table. You are listening to the Kingstown Communion podcast with lead pastor Michelle Matthews. The Kingstown Communion is a new United Methodist Church existing to gather people into communion with Jesus Christ through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. For more information about upcoming events and opportunities to serve, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kingstown Communion. We're glad that you're listening along with us. If you live close by, we hope you'll join us for worship in person. And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website, kingstowncommunion.net. Today's scripture comes from Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. Now when Jesus came into the districts of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, but others say Elijah, or still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. So he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. The word of God for the people of God. God. Friends, it's week two of our Lenten season, which means, do we have any fish fry fans out here? Woo! Woo! It's it's an acquired taste, right? If you are unfamiliar with the term fish fry, it's from, I I was ordained in Western Pennsylvania, and it is uh, a tradition that they spend every Friday, as much of Friday as humanly possible, traveling around to every one of the fish fries around town and judging them. And then once they've done all of that, they go outside of town and every other town gets judgment. So um, that's what your clergy do on their off time. But I personally am not a huge fish fry fan. Um, I have never really enjoyed that tradition of judging my fellow churches, but I do look forward to Lent every year. Um, I think what is so valuable about Lent for me is that, that journey of preparation in which we are finding what it means to go into the Easter season anew this year. 
And something that I really appreciate in this season is uh, something Pastor Michelle has done. Um, and she, uh, we are new here in the last year, but I, it sounds like you all as a community have really made some wonderful partnerships. Um, I love that the community hosts the worship services and the gatherings that we have. I think that that community is something that foundationally really um, helps me as a Christian to see that community. Uh, and I think in the Lenten season, it helps me see that other people are on that journey with me. Um, something else that I think Pastor Michelle really did uh, wonderful this year, if you, any of you got one of those Lenten home devotionals, uh, she created this beautiful plate of sand with some, some rocks and hearts inside of it for families to do um, at home. And I really love the idea, although I am uh, waiting for my toddler to go find that bowl of sand. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, another thing that Pastor Michelle did over the Lenten season is she created this sermon series that we're in right now um, about the questions of Jesus. And I think that um, one thing you will notice about Jesus is that every question that Jesus offers seems to be a probing, a probing like deep, deep down into the people that we are. Um, and I think that the question, um, as I've looked over all the questions that Michelle, Pastor Michelle has picked out for us, I see that, that each one of those questions really hits into the heart of who we are. Uh, it asks us where we are in our Lenten journey, um, in our life journey, in our faith journey. Um, it really gets at something really special. And so um, I think that Jesus's brilliance here is that it's not just introspective words that he gives us, though. Um, in this time of Lent, I think it's Jesus asking us who we are. It's asking um, Jesus, Jesus asking us to really do that deep reflection. And so in each one of the questions, something that really helps me get at what the core of the question is, is uh, focusing on how Jesus asked the question. Focusing on who Jesus is asking the question to, where Jesus is asking the question, when Jesus is asking the question, and why Jesus is asking the question. Now, as a pastor and a preacher, we do our best to um, work through some of those things and those answers. Uh, and so I'd like to take time to do that with our question for today. From Matthew chapter 16, we hear the question, who do you say that I am? Well, I think there's actually two questions there. If you, if you heard the first question, did anyone hear that first question that he asked the disciples? It's, who do they say that I am? And who do you say that I am? And those two questions are really important. But how does Jesus ask the questions? Who do they say that I am? Or who do they say that I am? Well, who do you say that I am? Or who do you say that I am? How you ask the question here is so incredibly important. Don't you wish sometimes the Bible came with that read by the author function where we could just see how Jesus got along with these questions? I, I really would love to see if Jesus was the hand on the hip kind of guy or if he was adding some sarcasm in there because he's like, you better have that answer and you better get it right. I don't know how he asked the question, 
But my imagination takes me to believe that he asked with deep intention. He wanted to know what they had to say because he wanted them to go on a journey by simply asking the question to themselves. The who? Who did he ask that question to? We, we aren't told directly, but in the text, we see that Jesus has transitioned. He's been in a crowd of people. Um, he's spoken to lots of people. He's performed lots of miracles. He's been in the company of crowds and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Jewish leaders at the time. And he's in all of these wonderful settings, but Matthew 16 transitions. And now he's sitting in front of the disciples. He's sitting in front of his friends, the women and the men that followed him around, that, that yearned for his teaching, that sat at his feet as a rabbi, his most entrusted people, his circle. And I think that that intimate community of entrusted friends is important here because not only the who he asked the question, but where Jesus asked the question. Is, it, it, draw, it paints a picture for us. So if you're looking at the place, um, we said that Jesus asked the question in Caesarea Philippi, which is a town that maybe doesn't have a whole lot of significance to us today, but back in the day in which Jesus was wandering in this place and asking this question, it was really significant. It was politically significant because in that town, they have erected a huge temple of made of marble, which is significant in and of itself. And that town erected that in order to worship Caesar. Now that's significant because um, not Caesar, that temple erected to worship Caesar wasn't just the only temple there. They also erected other temples to worship other gods. We see that that the people came there to find political significance in their leader, Caesar. Um, and in the time of the people of Israel, uh, Rome was the community in which uh, the, they lived in. And we see that Caesar Augustus is their leader. But why is that significant? Why does this politically significant town make a difference? Well, I was... Um, sharing some time with my neighbor the other day. And uh, he's a faithful older gentleman who's always out walking his dog, doing the loop around the town. You know the people that you see in the mornings, in the afternoons, and in the evenings walking their dog. Sometimes you wonder if their dog is walking them. And I, I interacted with this man and what I, um, what we started talking about, as any good interaction on the street with your neighbors is, is that 80 degree weather day. Oh yeah, that was really nice. And so he brings up the 80 degree weather day as we do. Um, and he said, uh, you know, the weather is just about reliable today as Congress is. <laughs> okay, see? He said that to me, and it was funny to me, because I'm from Western Pennsylvania, and if you had delivered that joke in Western Pennsylvania, everybody would have laughed, because talking about Congress is a little different in Western Pennsylvania. But he followed his statement, and he said, Haha, I guess that's a joke I really shouldn't make in DC when all of our neighbors work in the Capitol or somewhere up in, in Congress themselves. And so, you see, where you tell a joke really matters. 
If you deliver that, if you deliver a question from um, to an audience of your entrusted friends, where he asks that question is significant here because what we see Jesus doing is that Jesus chose this location for his question because, well, I wish I knew, but I'm going to take my best stab at it. I think he chose this town because of its political significance to the Romans. He believed. Jesus believed that there was no other God but God. And in this town of many other gods being worshipped, he believed himself to be the Son of Man, God with us, Emmanuel, Jesus incarnate, or God incarnate among us. And so his very presence, Jesus' very presence, challenges the Roman Empire that is around him. And so by choosing this town, by asking this question, he's challenging the mighty powers of this town. But he doesn't do it in this very public setting where he's flaunting his power to everyone. No, he does it with his entrusted friends. He does it with the people he cares about, the community around him. But why would he choose that? I truly believe that Jesus has gathered them together at this place, at this location, with this question, because he knows something's coming. He knows that the days coming are going to be significant and probably very hard. He's preparing them. So the when of the question, I think, is absolutely one of the most significant parts about Jesus asking this question. We see that Jesus, prior to Matthew 16, has been doing these wonderful miracles. And if someone got up in front of a crowd and multiplied food, I would be the happiest person alive. <laughs> I would love that community of miracles, watching Jesus transform and heal and cast out demons and tell all these beautiful parables, even though he's a little scolding in some of them. But see, that, that's the cool thing about Jesus, is that he is now seeing that all of these activities prior to in Matthew 16, all the miracles to this point, they're transitioning. And Jesus is asking this question right before he begins to prepare them for what will happen in Holy Week. He knows that the events to come will include possible death, torture, um, and eventual resurrection but leading up to that's going to be a really hard time for his disciples. And so I think he asks because he really, he really cares about the people around him. He cares about his community and his church, and he wants them to be ready in case the hard things will come. Growing up, I wasn't really part of a Christian community um, uh, be from my family, but I did join a Christian community uh, because, as I've shared with some of you, but this, I have not shared it with everyone, um, when I was grounded, my parents let me go to youth group. Yay! <laughs> and so out of that, having not grown up in a Christian community or a Christian, not having not grown up in a Christian home, um, this Christian community, Club Beyond, really shaped who I was. Um, every week that I would go in this youth group, um, they taught me lessons. Uh, I also went to our Sunday worship services because in order to be a leader in Club Beyond, we had to go to church on Sunday. And I remember sitting in the pew with all of these military chaplains, um, and they would teach about these miracles, these miracles that Jesus would do, and I just saw this miraculous, beautiful Jesus. 
And I remember that every week they would teach a short little lesson. Most of the time I paid attention at youth group and they would teach these beautiful lessons about who Jesus was and how Jesus loved me. And then I remember going to school with my ultra Christian friends who lived this beautiful Christian life at home and were always, um, always so excited to talk about Jesus. And they, they showed me how Jesus could enrich their life and how by understanding who Jesus was, they could become better as people. Who did they say that Jesus was? They said Jesus was love. They said Jesus was kind. They said that Jesus wanted to have a relationship with me, and man, that changed my life forever. All those lessons, I believe, truly stuck with me. And I, somewhere in the midst of all of that, decided that I wanted to share that message with other people. So I heard a whisper. But who do you say that I am? Time came to go to college, and um, I began to figure out that I wanted to share that message with service members, people in the military, specifically people in the Army. Um, go Army, beat Navy. <laughs> no, okay. Um, the thing about chaplaincy, though, is that when you go into the military, you need a sponsoring community. You need somebody to say, we believe in your gifts and talents, and from our church community, we will sponsor you. And so I remember the conversation very distinctly. Um, one of those wonderful chaplains that preached all about Jesus' miracles, I, I rang him up, and I finally got a hold of Chaplain Peterson, and I said, Chaplain Peterson, it's good to talk to you. I'm thinking about going into chaplaincy. I, I really feel that calling of going into chaplaincy. And um, all those years that I watched you preach and teach, I think that's where God's calling me. And I remember a distinct pause in the midst of that. And at the end of that pause, Chaplain Peterson said, are you sure? Have you considered any other calling in life? <laughs> that question, it caught me off guard, right? Don't you think that your leader, the person you looked up to, would come to you and would support you? And the conversation continued, and Chaplain Peterson began to explain to me that himself, the other chaplain that I looked up to, and my youth group leaders um, believed that I was not called to chaplaincy. They said, unfortunately, tied with some of the lessons that I had heard about Jesus loving me and, and loving the community, there, were also, there was also a deeply rooted theology in gender roles. And in that community, women were asked not to preach, not to teach. And so with kindness and compassion, as much as Chaplain Peterson, God bless him, could, um, could offer me, he said, and he gently affirmed, that we love you, we believe Jesus loves you, and we can't support you in this calling to be a chaplain. And as I can see in some of the reactions in your face, you weren't expecting that. It sent me into a deep sadness because I began to ask myself, who was Jesus? There was such a long journey of questions after this time, this conversation with Chaplain Peterson, because did my calling match up with who I saw Jesus to be? 
Who was Jesus to them? Well, I knew very clearly at that point. And who was Jesus to me? So I heard that gentle whisper again. But who do you say that I am? And in the months that followed that conversation, I began to deconstruct my faith. That deconstruction, that pulling apart the things that shaped who I was as a Christian and as a person who followed Jesus, I started asking real questions. The Jesus that I knew, the one that I had met in scripture and through the people that I love and the community that shaped me, Jesus was a liberator. Jesus was one who loved people and invited women and men and all people to participate in full communion in the church. Jesus offered that salvific message of redemption and he called us out into the world to share that with other people and I had no reason to believe that there was a limit to who could share that message and where. And so I began breaking away from the theology of that old community. I began to seek Jesus in a new way. And so as I deconstructed though, um, I as I deconstructed all that I had been taught um, and who Jesus was to me, I found myself hearing that whisper of, who do you think I am? Who do you say that I am? And it brought me into the office of Pastor Brad Louster, <laughs> one of the most wonderful men and preachers and teachers that I had ever met. And I sat in his office and he looked me in the face and he said, we have a place for you here. And I think um, that was very transformative for me. Because, and I'd like to get back to our scripture lesson today, the why. Why did Jesus choose to ask this question? They, they said that Jesus was love and redemption. They being the community that had shaped me. They said that Jesus was moving and shaking. They, my old community, said with confidence and still do today that Jesus was the Messiah. And for that, I will be forever grateful. Jesus used they and what they thought about Jesus to form me, to create inside of me a foundation for who I am today. But Jesus, in all of his brilliance, knew that what others thought of him would never be enough. Jesus believed that the disciples, his faithful community gathered around him as they heard this question would have to decide for themselves in the days of testing that would come in the hardship of the holy week to come. He knew that they needed the foundation for which they were being shaped. So Jesus whispers to them, but who do you say that I am? In the scripture lesson, we see that Peter is the witness of all of the miracles of Jesus. He listens to who everyone else believes Jesus to be, and he even tells Jesus who he has heard that they think he is. And when Jesus, um, and when Jesus decides to ask Peter that question, Peter as a representation for all the disciples gathered with him, he asks him and Peter's response is, I believe you are the Messiah. Some, um, some other uh, gospel lessons call him the Christ, the Messiah, the Christ. 
And for that answer, Jesus, um, what I believe, to, what I see Jesus doing is that proud moment with, oh yes, you got the answer right. And for that, I'm going to make you the rock. I'm going to make you the rock for which my church will be built. And even to this day, despite Peter's struggle at the end of Jesus's life, we, we I don't mean to ruin the ending for you, but there is a moment in which Jesus um, is being crucified and, and Peter denies him. Um, and in that moment, that's not Peter's greatest moment. And even though he told Jesus he believed him to be the Messiah, hard times would come. But Peter is still thought of fondly today and still stands as a rock in the church because he took time to answer that question for himself. I hope that in this Lenten season that these questions, every one that Pastor Michelle asks, come alive for you. I believe that she chose these questions because she and I and this community are on a journey of transformation. We're going somewhere. We're doing something. We are setting the rock and the foundation for our children who so kindly let it be quiet in here today. <laughs> and she and I and you and this community, all of us are gathered together asking those questions to ourselves. And all the lessons and teachings of the church have brought us here. Who do they say that I am most likely laid a foundation for you? My prayer is that that was a good and healthy and loving foundation in which you have been gathered. The reality is that that's not always the case. And sometimes that foundation might need a little tuning, a little deconstruction. And so I ask you, as you are asking those questions of yourself, may you experience what Jesus has promised Peter, that that journey along finding the, the foundation and the rock in which will get you through the hard times. And friends, I have so much gratitude for all of us gathered here today as we ask these questions because it reminds me that church is meant to be full of people who seek and encounter Jesus, but not all in the same way. You probably see, different, uh, see Jesus far differently than I do, Gina. <laughs> and for that, I'm grateful. And the theologies and the foundations of who Jesus is in this room are far different. And yet, together we come as a church to encounter Jesus, the salvific message of Jesus, and enter into a journey of finding what that means as a community and a church. So, my prayer for you. May each of you, and may I, and may my family, may each of us hear Jesus' question anew in this Lenten season. Who do you say that I am? Is Jesus the Messiah and the source of the grounding for which is the rock of your faith? Who do you say that I am? If you would, bow your heads. God, the, the true yearnings of my heart as a young woman were to find that goodness. And thanks be to God, I was surrounded by people that showed me that that goodness was in you. Life got hard, times got challenging, and yet because of that foundation in faith, that, that beautiful theology that you save, 
God, I found that salvation. God, would you hear each and every one of us as we pray to you in gratitude or in sorrow for the foundation that led us here today? God, sometimes that hurts. Sometimes the things that we interact with that shape us are hard. And yet, when you asked the question, Jesus, you didn't walk away. You continued teaching. You asked that question in all genius so that deep down inside we would find who you are to us. Because I believe that you care. I believe that you continue to care about us. And the beauty of the scripture lesson is it is not a one-time event, but it comes alive to us today because we are your community. We are the disciples gathered around. And you are asking us that question because there's something coming. And in that something, God, I pray that our hearts, our minds, and our bodies are prepared. And Lord God, I, I believe that one of the ways that you helped prepare us was by teaching us how to pray the Lord's Prayer. And so I ask this community to pray it together aloud. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.